turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests. Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn the f*** up. We are back with another episode. I'm here with a paid media and marketing expert. He's the co-founder of AOV Boost, a company that helps Shopify Plus stores increase their average order value. He also is a marketing and advertising consultant and a former co-worker of mine at Snag Nation. I'm excited to welcome my friend, August Noble, to the podcast. What's up? What's up, man? But I'm pretty stoked because I actually invested in... Shopify, like when I was at Snag Nation, and it was one of my best. That's a good one. It's a good pick right there. Yeah. I want to get started on how you started marketing. I kind of know your background, but I want everybody else to know your background. So let's start sure. there. Yeah, man. So I've been in, I've been in marketing and digital, like digital marketing specifically, for about eight years now. I'd say eight or nine years. First experience in social was. I built a lifestyle business in college, really like a, mostly it was like a Twitter handle to be honest. And it, and it turned into a lifestyle business, built a decent following on that. But that kind of got me interested in the social media space. Um, and that was, you know, relatively early on these platforms. It wasn't a, a super prominent role yet in businesses. So I had that experience and then was in college at the time and started, was figuring out kind of what I wanted to major and what I wanted to do. Ended up majoring in marketing and entrepreneurship. And then after school, getting into affiliate marketing at an agency in Minneapolis where I lived at the time. So worked worked in the affiliate space for about a year or two um, at that agency and then moved out to uh, Los Angeles in 2015 and got into the startup space where I met your beautiful self and was in the startup space for about, uh, about four years. And that's really where I cut my teeth, ran paid acquisition at, at Snack Nation with you and and then ended up leaving there about uh, about two years ago to go out my own and take on clients. So consult mostly in the paid advertising space. And and while doing that, stumbled upon the problem that we ended up building the, the Shopify app for, the solution for of AOV Boost. So that launched technically about a month and a half ago. And it's been been really, really exciting, but that's been in the work for about eight months and a really cool experience. And so that's that's been kind of my journey thus far. What was like that inflection point where you knew that you wanted to go off by yourself and start doing consulting and eventually starting this new business? Yeah, good good question. You know, I don't know if it was like necessary a specific point that I just said, I'm going to go out on my own. I think it was kind of an idea that had been planted uh, when I was younger, one of my best friend's moms was actually an entrepreneur. She had a, a fitness website and was kind of always doing her own thing. And I just, I thought it was really cool. I think it was something I always kind of wanted to do. I remember when I was starting at my job, they asked you at Snack Nation, they asked something like, where do you want to be in five years? And I think, I believe it. even in that conversation, I mentioned something about having my own business or starting my own business one day. So it was always kind of an idea that that I had. And then I think when when the confidence came around it to actually do it was when I had had developed a skill set that I felt like could truly add value for other businesses. So I have a lot of people ask me like, 
you know, how, how can I go on my own or how can I start my own business? And I think the first question I always ask them is like, do you have a sellable skill set, right? Or something that's repeatable for, for multiple businesses. And I, and I felt like at a point in my journey at Snack Nation, I had, you know, I'd seen some success there with what we were doing and learned a ton, had, had experience actually hands-on helping a business grow and felt like I could, could help apply that to some other businesses as well. And, and once I had that confidence and then um, actually ended up doing it for a few businesses on nights and weekends while I was at Snack Nation and, and built up some momentum, then just felt like it was the right time and the right move for me for the next step of my career. So what would you tell someone who wants to get into paid social? Like, where should they even start to do this? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of information out there today. I think for me, and this is going to be biased because it's how I got involved. You know, I think books are great. I think there's a lot of courses out there from, from really great media buyers, but I think the best way for me is just to truly get your hands on these platforms and, and start spending money on them. That can be difficult, especially when you're younger and you know, if you're starting a business and you're not fundraising and you're spending your own money, it's hard. It's hard to spend your own money if, if you don't have a business. So really, I think, you know, my path was startups or um, I think agencies these days hire a lot of younger marketing coordinators, media buy, and then are very quick to push them to media buying. I think sometimes a little too quick from, from a client side with them. But I think getting in with a business that in letting them know that that's kind of the direction that you want to head um, and either training under a, someone who's currently buying media or getting in a startup where they're just looking for someone who's hungry and willing to learn and then spend money on acquisition or, or whatever it may be. But really finding a way to, to get hands-on experience, I think, is, is the best possible way to learn it. Um, and I'd say the two best places for those are a startup or a, or a small agency. Also, I think like one thing that I saw that you were really good at and just working with you and Andy is that is actually like knowing how what a good ad looks like. I think like a lot of people now could figure out how to put money on Facebook and spend, but like knowing actually what goes into a good ad. So I'm interested, like what are like some like checklist things you look at to like, is this a good ad? And this, knowing like beforehand it might perform pretty well. Yeah, great point. I think too, in, in spending money on Facebook, the reason I say that as well is it, it gives you that feedback to that real world feedback to what is a good ad, right? I think a lot of times you can see ads online that you think are good. Um, and one of the lessons that as you start to spend that money, I think you'll get proven wrong over and over again. And ads that you think will end up doing really well don't when you put them in the marketplace and the ones that you think may not do as well do. So you're always kind of surprised. But yeah, for, for what makes a good ad, I think, you know, there's there's three three main parts of that I think about when I'm creating an advertisement for a business, audience, offer, and creative. Creative and copy, I kind of bundle into one at this point. I think, you know, audience is who are you speaking to? Is it relevant for them? I think the the classic example you hear is if you're selling dog food or if you're selling pet food and the person doesn't own a pet, it's not going to be super relevant, probably not do super well. Offer is, you know, what are you offering them? Is it, I think in a world where everyone is to your point, anyone can access Facebook, anybody can run an ad for their, for their shoe store or their, their clothing store or their stuff like I think if you have a great software product that helps a lot because that is a unique offer, but what are you going to offer to someone that's going to get them to pay attention? 
you see a lot of, I think sampling is, is one that we see do really, really well. Um, obviously discounts are a form of an offer, but, but really thinking through what is, what is that offer that, that makes you unique and that, that is going to resonate with the audience that you're trying to attract their attention. Um, and then last is creative copy, right? Which is how are you communicating that offer? I think the biggest mistakes I see right now with, with ads is people getting too clever or cute. I think it's great. I think like having a brand feel in those is amazing. But if you're not clearly communicating your offer, first things foremost, what, are, what can you do for that person that's, that's seeing that ad or what are, how are you going to make their life better or how are you going to make them feel more confident because of the shoes that you're going to sell them, whatever it is. I think really, really understanding how to communicate that effectively and, and then mending those three things of audience offer and then creative and communication, copywriting, whatever those are. But mending those three together is what I typically look for um, in a great advertisement. One thing that I see a lot, and this is less in B2C and more to B2B, is that it's a lot of it in the way, and this probably worked like 10 years ago, a lot of B2B companies don't warm up the buyer to understand who they are which is different than b2c where like you're selling like a shirt and you need to convert but at the same time like how could you like how much does paid advertising help like the direct response but also like the branding play because i think like a lot a lot of these companies that aren't converting don't have solid brands behind them as like a solid brand behind them yeah it's a really good point right and and all of this it's really tough to talk talk about advertising. I mean, similar to marketing, right? Is there's so much context that goes into each business, and I think you know you have great experience with B two B SaaS, where there's a lot of education needed, so that process is going to take a little bit longer. And then there's you know, then then there's the B two C side, where to your point, if you're selling a T shirt, people know what a T shirt is. Is is it cool branding? Is not advertising can serve both of those purposes. It's really becoming crystal clear on what you want it to do. To me personally, I come from a direct response background. I think you can accomplish both branding and direct response in an ad. I have a hard time telling clients or spending money and spending my own money on, on strictly brand building. But I think having that ad be a good experience or or offering somebody something super valuable. I think in the B2B space, a great example is content first advertising. We do a ton of this with our LinkedIn clients where you're exchanging something super valuable that's going to help somebody a ton for their information, right? For their lead information, whatever those fields you decide to collect are. And so in, in that, like, yes, that's direct response. Yes, you're going to nurture that lead and hopefully eventually turn them into revenue. But that's also brand building in the sense of, you're creating a valuable experience with you. And if you help, you know, if I offer you something that teaches you and, and adds value to your life, you're going to have a better brand affinity. So I think advertising in the long term is just going to help you build that brand, specifically just for brand building, as far as like saying that that you should use advertising to build a brand. I have a little bit of, of trouble with, but I think it's a natural byproduct of really great direct response advertising that you can spend more on because it brings profit into the business. I want to go into the topic of like setting up these tests so the market just you can get answers fast. Cause I think a lot of people like don't do this very well where they experiment enough which you can do a lot of micro experiments to find what's working, what's not. So like mm-hmm. how, what's your thought process on like how to set up these experiments for like advertising? Yeah. Testing is, 
that's a deep rabbit hole. I think the cool part about these platforms is exactly what you said, right? Is 50 years ago to get feedback on advertisements was nearly impossible. Our direct mail, it took months. It was, it was not very easy to set up. I think the reason I'm hesitant to say like, you need to test everything is because there's, there's two camps, right? Is some people I think go over test where they're changing. There's this old, I mean, there's a lot of older schools of thought where like, if you change a period in your copy on your Facebook ad, that's going to change performance. I think that's great. What I typically focus on with my clients is like, what are the big levers that we can pull that are worth spending money on testing that are going to change how we act in the future, right? So if there's a different offer, I think offer is a great place to test and to do split tests on these platforms, right? This is a the most simple example I can think of, but $10 off versus 10% off, right? Or buy one, get one versus... XYZ and that, those are B2C examples. I think in the B2B space, is it a webinar for this person or is it, you know, a white paper or are we offering them? I mean, you see crazy things on LinkedIn these days of like get a free AirPods for taking a demo call. Right. But I think, you know, it, don't get me wrong, conversion rate optimization is important. And like, if you have the amount of traffic and the volume to split test these extremely nuanced details of of landing pages and, and these sorts of things, great. But at the end of the day, I think where a lot of companies are at is they kind of they lose the big picture when it comes to testing of what are the what are the the levers that are really going to change those results. Let's focus on those and then set up split testing these platforms, which you know is so easy today. It's it's Facebook has an actual tool, LinkedIn, these other platforms. It's just a structure that you can set up to test different offers and different creative. I also think it also comes down to the over-testing and over-dated usage comes down to like lack of understanding audience, right? Like, and lack of understanding who you're marketing to. Cause like if you're testing copy and stuff, like, do you really, have you really talked to your customer or not? Like, do you understand who they are? Like, cause if you understand that, then you can pull bigger levers. Great point. And a lack of confidence in decision-making, right? Because I think what, what a lot of people, and I've done this a ton through my career with advertising is tested is, is, could, can be used as a crutch or a safety net to not make a decision, right? And so like, to your point, if you really understand your audience, and I said to you, Daniel, like, do you think they would get this, like this offer more or this offer more, or, you know, something where it was truly like obvious to you because you understood that enough, there's still going to be a, a test where maybe even though you understand your audience, it's worth running. But I found a lot of times, if there's an obvious change, just make it like, don't worry about spending a ton of money to learn about these two changes that seem very obvious and, and have the confidence to say like, no, we know our audience, this is going to resonate better with them based upon our history with this audience and understanding and all of our research and don't just fall back to, which I've fallen in this trap and I see a lot of people falling into it. Oh, we'll test it. Cause especially in the B2B space, when you start to, you know, we have, we have software companies with large deal sizes, you know, they could do $200 leads, thousand dollar ops and still be really profitable on those. But if you start running a split test on those, those can take a really long time and cost a ton of money to get a result from that split test instead of just making a confident decision moving forward and then, and then really focusing on testing when it's something that you think is going to make a big difference. And sometimes, and especially in the B2B space and also in the B2B, B2C space, is like it's, it's not always the ad, right? Like it's, there's so much other points that go down funnel, right? It, it could be like the form, the landing page, the sales rep, whoever, like even with you and 
B2C, with a lot of B2C customers is the landing page, the checkout, like the social proof on there. Totally. And I, I think to start on the B2B side, absolutely. Right. And that's, that's what's so hard about split testing a lot of times on in the B2B space is it's, it's really hard to, to split test if you're doing lead gen and it's going through, you know, sales and then to revenue, you can't really split test based upon revenue. I know a lot of people try to, but it's going to take so long. And then you think about the different variables of even which sales rep did it go to, right? Which, which flow did it come in off of? And then how is that experience post lead? So, you know, I, again, I think looking back at some of the mistakes that I feel like I made earlier in my career, it was not being confident enough to just make those decisions, stick with them, and then, and then improve the things that we can focus on. And then segueing to, to B2C, like you mentioned, is one of the biggest mistakes I see people make with paid media on the B2C side is they're trying to build their business using paid media instead of having paid media be a tool or a part of a system that's building their business. It's really, really hard to run super profitable paid media campaigns if you don't have a really strong email sequence on the back end, if you don't have really strong retargeting across other platforms, and if you don't have a good organic brand that you understand your customers, you understand what resonates with them and those sorts of things. Like the the days of of these channels being affordable enough to just, you know, set up a one product store and go run profitable ads on the first click off of these these platforms are are relatively gone. And it's really now a system and understanding, you know, understanding retention and understanding the longer term plays of acquiring customers. Um, and it's really forcing, I think, the best businesses to win out. Um, and if if your business is not really buttoned up and and you don't understand these longer term plays, it's going to be really tough to make make this traffic profitable from a lot of these platforms these days. And I think you like made a great point. I think like a lot of people think paid media is a, a strategy and it's really like a tactic in a larger strategy yep. where I also think like a question I have for you is like, when is a point where someone should start doing paid media? Cause if a lot of people say like build that like social engine, the, the organic engine before even like starting to dabble here. But some people say, start with paid media so there's like these always yeah. like conflicting yeah the, like i was having a conversation about just the amount of content and like i feel pretty confident in a lot of the things that i'm seeing hands-on you know we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a month for our clients and i still see so much information and contradicting information that's hard to dissect what's what's truth and all of it but yeah i think like you mentioned paid media is a tool it can be used for a plethora of things and it can be used in the early stages of, let's say you're trying to get customer feedback. So you set up a, I think Lever, I believe is the name of the company, really cool company. And, and I, I was listening to a podcast and they mentioned that the founder to, to kind of like, no, maybe it was the opposite. Maybe, maybe Lever did it the opposite of this, but one of these founders set up a landing page form based upon the business they were planning on building, got early stage opt-ins and then had them take surveys to help educate himself on what the product needed to to include and how to build that business. And so that's a way that paid media can be used as a tool in the early stages. It can definitely be used too heavily early to acquire, which I think is where I would lean towards the, the latter part of what you said of build a business first and then use advertising to grow, right? 
I think the best clients that I have that are have seen a ton of success over the last, you know, two to three years are the ones who were doing well before they ever ran an ad. They were they were profitable. They were acquiring customers. They were growing through having a great organic social media presence. They knew how to create content. They knew where their customers were. They they typically either had good email marketing or we we started to establish more and more email communication and really. Once we acquired that customer or paid for that customer for the first time, there was a whole system in place to keep them coming back, a brand for them to engage with, and really a community to pull them in. And I think it's, you know, it's just that that metaphor of like there needs to be an ecosystem around your business that when you pay to bring someone in it, they should stay in it for hopefully a long time. And there's something resonating with people there. Um, and I think if you jump to jump to advertising in general or paying for attention too early and you don't really know what even you're your value is or, or, or what community or who you're trying to bring into that community and you don't have a way to retain them for a long time, it's going to be really tough to make that, that advertising profitable for you in the long term. Yeah. And I also think the good point you made is like a lot of it is like the over-promising and undelivering, And a lot of it is also marketers failing to think about how much it costs to retain a customer versus like, and they don't look at the LTV number um, of that customer. Yeah. And I mean, I will 100% say like paid advertising agencies are a part of this problem. Right. And I think it's something that you see where, um, and I've done this before, but there's a lot of talk about returns and you see these people killing it. And there are, don't get me wrong. We have clients who do extremely well with advertising and it is, crazy like you put a dollar in and you see a eight nine ten row as like this is amazing but i think what doesn't get shared in the context that gets stripped out of that a lot of times on these social platforms is the business that is behind that the like the brand that took 10 years to build before they started investing in advertising and the great product that they have and and the amazing every time you know they get a customer the engagement they fall into and and really just this whole momentum that they built behind them I feel lucky to have a really boutique agency, if you want to call it that, but it's me, you know, a partner and a handful of clients and we don't have to continually bringing on, like bring on clients and sell people and say, you know, yeah, this is, you need paid advertising no matter what. I think a lot of companies, the service to them is to say like, Hey, go focus on these other things that the, the foundation of your business and then come back to us potentially when you're better, better set to run ads. But uh, I think, unfortunately, with a lot of agencies that are scaling, scaling quickly and needing customers, that conversation may not be happening all the time. And it's one that that I think is is getting better and the business owners are getting smarter about it um, and understanding it a little bit better. And, and just the more I think that people can can understand that they'll they'll have a better experience in paid advertising, paid advertising will continue to get a better name instead of like this, like, hey, I got sold that Facebook, like, Whenever I hear, and I don't know if this is still a thing, but in the early days, it was like Facebook ads don't work. And I'm like, this is, it's taking something and putting it in front of people on this platform that we all use every day. Like these things work. It's a matter of, are you able to utilize them the way that that is effective? And, and then do you have a business or an, you know, a product, an offer, whatever it is, that's going to actually be able to extract the value out of those, out of that, that paid spend long-term. One thing that... I think is a good conversation to talk about and paid out paid in general is the talk about like the actual like attribution from click versus like 
people coming in through organic or like, or SEM brand and then companies over investing in like SEM, like like Google ads and organic when really like it's that paid social that's or paid like this paid advertising engine that's helping that engine. Do we we want to just open up the attribution conversation right now? (laughs) I I mean, to the the hour, the hour attribution conversation, but I, I solely believe, and I always, and this is my attribution theory is that I always like, even with paid social, like I always like have a, a lift bucket. Like if we raise spend, like what is the lift in brand, like SEM brand search, like brand searches and direct visits to our site and stuff like that. And a lot, I think a lot of what the problem with, blending customer acquisition costs and stuff like that is like you start over investing in other channels when other channels are bringing in. It's, this is the same talk about referrals and word of mouth and stuff like that. But uh, in, in this simple, I think the reason this conversation is so hard is because there is no, there is no answer yet. Right. Like we have not found the perfect attribution system. Um, one, even just collecting all the data points is, is near impossible. And then, and then deciding on the nuance of like which models are the most effective at at truly saying like which ad spend is the is is driving the results, and then not to mention, man, like when we work with some larger companies that are spending money across, you know, they're producing podcasts, they're they're putting out great organic content, they have a great organic teams that like have have things that get you know either go viral or they have a great PR team that is they're getting big news stories. And we're running paid media and they have, you know, they're running branded like Google across branded and non-brand and all these things. And so at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of ways to do it. Obviously there's analytics platforms built for these, like Google has Google's free version. I always say to people is great and can do a lot of this and utilize that to the max before you go to 360 or any of these other, these other platforms. But I think the point that we've gotten to with, with most of our clients, and again, this is just how we look at it is are the, the bottom line metrics that we focus on growing. Right. And so um, with our B2C customers, that's revenue, right? We do look at per channel attribution. We do break down those channels into, for instance, Facebook, we look at their default, which is 28 day click one day view. Um, We look at 28 day click, seven day click and one day click just to have that as a part of our story. But at the end of the day, we we end up kind of rolling it all up into what did we spend and what was our revenue? You know, it's never perfect. We don't know exactly, but it's it gives us some leading indicators of, you know, to your point, if we introduced a new platform in August and we spent 10K on it and our bottom line revenue, we kept everything, all the other variables as the same as we could and our bottom line revenue didn't didn't move, it's going to be tough for me to continue spending on that platform. Um, and then the nuance between these platforms where it's so difficult too. And I think just if there's a business owners listening or they have agencies, like definitely talk about these attribution windows and the platforms. We, I've audited hundreds of accounts at this point. And some of the things that you'll see that I have seen of wide open attribution windows, right? 28 day click, 28 day view attribution windows on Facebook and somebody, an agency getting paid on the revenue of that. Like that's just, that's a disservice to, to business owners. Um, I think 
there is no perfect solution and that's what makes this so tough. I think everybody kind of comes up with their own systems. Ours is a combination of looking at each platform, understanding those stories, but then also trying to look at the holistic picture and, and track those bottom line metrics on the B2C side being revenue and the B2B side being typically SQLs or ops. We obviously take leads into account and then and then want to keep an eye on that, that op to close ratio as well. But I also think you made a good point about the, these window things because the typical thing could happen is someone tells their friend about a like a Lululemon shirt, they go to Lululemon site, they get retargeted with Lululemon, they click on an ad, and then they, they, they think the ad actually did that when really the friend told them about Lululemon to go and they went to the site. Um, I think if you follow your own journey to it, it's so interesting. Like I had one the other day where I was listening to a podcast there was a podcast read and then I like read morning brew and then the ad was in morning brew. And then I ended up just like Googling it later in the day. And I'm like, I'm a marketer's nightmare. Like I, you know, like you could it's so hard to tie those things together. And it's, you know, I don't know if anybody has figured out a perfect way, I would say the, the burden of proof is on them to, to show that, but it's, it's, it's an interesting, I think ever evolving conversation for sure. But I also going back to like, what you said earlier, I think like if you know like basics of marketing and how to do marketing well, these decisions should just really like inform like data should just inform like what you're doing instead of like drive the overall strategy what you're doing. Like I think a lot of what happens is like the greatest marketers I've seen have like this like I want to test this random thing with data cannot even prove. And like, if you're such a data-driven marketer, you would default to logical like ideas. You have to have some intuition, right? There, there, and I think that the toughest part is like there are those two camps, right? There's data versus like creative, and and I think as like most things in the world right now, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Like you know, it's use the data where you can, but to your point, if you're if you're just because you can't track something doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. And I think finding that balance between those two camps is, is challenging. And, and it's something that, you know, we, we work on and, and I think we have working theories and, and ideas and, and when the data can, can help us inform that great. And if it says something way different, I think it's, it's worth taking a look at and it can draw our attention to it. But I wouldn't say we fall into, at least I don't fall into either of those, either of those camps entirely. For like the way you think about advertising, for example, Snack Nation, we knew LinkedIn really worked well. Like, but what is your like split on like testing like these new and shiny channels like TikTok coming out, which I know you have a cool story about running stuff on TikTok with influencers, but like what is that like? split look at like things that are working versus things that I need to diversify to see if they can work in the future. Um, or- yeah, great question. I would say I want to look at my behavior here before I say what I actually do, because I think sometimes those things don't align with all of our B2C clients. We are spending on Facebook, Instagram, and Google predominantly. I would say if we combined all the budgets, 80 80 to 70 to 90% of our budgets are going towards those two platforms. The rest of them, depending on the product, depending on their target audience, you know, we're, we are running some Snapchat, we're running some TikTok, running Pinterest for a lot of the fashion brands. And then on the B2B side, 
on a similar story, it's predominantly LinkedIn and, and Google. I think Facebook is, is always in that mix as well. And then, you know, as far as testing these new platforms, I, I struggle with it because I think it's one of those things where it is a shiny object syndrome and you have to understand that the effort, if you're going to go into one of those platforms, if you do a half-assed effort, it's not going to work. Like it's, it's true. Like there is some light tests that you can run and commit to, but I think the people who I see, I have, I have friends in the paid media space that have, they just recently put out like they, they're doing really well with Snapchat, but they've invested the time to understand their audience on there, make phenomenal creative specifically made for that channel and, and really push into it. But even then they're still, I would say predominantly most of their spend is going to, towards Facebook and Instagram. So I think how we think about it is, I'm a lot of the the tried and true. We we spend a lot on the channels that we have seen actually drive results for our clients. We've seen them it build their businesses over the last two to three years um, significantly. So so it's really hard to to move away from those. I would say though, 2021, one of the biggest things that I'm constantly discussing with our clients is diversifying acquisition channels. Um, that's predominantly because we're coming off of the most expensive paid month that I've seen across Facebook and LinkedIn in November. I think a lot of big players are getting into the space and I don't think costs are, you know, you mentioned LinkedIn was big for us when we were working together. You know, that was what, 2017. And I mean, I've single-handedly watched CPMs on some of those audiences that we were running to back then um, quadruple five X. So the, the, you know, the cost is definitely going up. And again, that's making these other, it's making people need to be better at building true businesses rather than like leaning on advertising. You have to have the email system. You have to have, you know, a great ecosystem around that's going to make paying 10, $12, eight to $12 on LinkedIn worth it. Because if you don't, it's those channels are just never really going to make sense for you. But that also does, I think, give opportunity to some of these new channels like TikTok and like Snapchat and, and any others, Pinterest, that can kind of open up that space a little bit for, hey, we have some cheaper traffic available because our demand isn't quite as high as, as Instagram's, for instance. One thing you brought a good point up, I think, and it's just the, the talk about like, okay, this channel does not work. I think a lot of people, when sometimes I suggest a channel to them and I know it's going to work because I've seen it work, but they're like, oh, it's not working for my business. And then I go back and dissect and say like, okay, like what was the creative you're running? It's not the same as Facebook. Like you can't do like the same thing on the Facebook platform and expect it to work on LinkedIn, or mm -hmm. you can't do the same thing on Facebook and expect it to work on TikTok. Yep. Um, so what do you tell people who like, especially like clients that you've been at or like people who say like, yeah, right. Like LinkedIn does not work. Like, yeah. All. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say for, for some people, I say like, cool, maybe it doesn't work for your business, you know, like, cause some, for some businesses, it doesn't make sense. And I'm like, great. Like maybe it doesn't for a lot of the others. Like I think earlier on, I would try to, argue and prove my point. Now I'm like, you know, it's, it's going to be really tough to grow with that mentality. The best clients that I work with are just, they, they consume information and feedback and take it and are so good at implementing. I I'm thinking of a client right now there from when we started the creative that they're making for Instagram stories to where they are now, like 
it's they've become world class at this because they've continued to evolve that skill of realizing like, hey, the better creative we have, the better our ad results are. And they, you know, they've just really honed in on that instead of in the early days when I mean performance was good, but as costs rise, it obviously gets a little bit more difficult. They've just elevated their game as a brand and as a creative team to meet those needs. And so I think the the best answer is like it's tough to put like a monetary value of spend. I think if you, you know when you've truly tested or put a really good effort towards trying a platform. I'm, I remember early in my career at Snack Nation, we tested, we tried to make Facebook work for like six months and couldn't get it to the point where we wanted it to be. It never actually really ended up being a huge platform for us. But a lot of the things that we learned and a lot of the strategies and things that we developed while trying Facebook ended up applying massively to LinkedIn, which ended up being our number one channel of investment for, uh, for like two and a half years. So I think the skill sets of learning how to how to advertise, how to go pay for somebody's attention and turn them into a long-term customer, developing that as a business, that's always going to be applicable to, to any new channels that come out in the future. Yes, you'll need to tweak the way that you approach those channels slightly, but I would just say to any like learning that skill set and, and learning all the, the pieces of that puzzle um, is going to pay dividends for you for, for a long time. What are some sources that have made like the biggest influence in your advertising career? Like what are like things that you go back and back and read or like look at to know, like to refine your craft? Yeah, man, that's so, so relevant right now too because there is so much information and like i mentioned earlier it's like i get overwhelmed just even scrolling twitter with all the hot takes on marketing and advertising these days you know it's like it's a lot i mean i would say my foundation came from the books you hear a lot of scientific advertising by claude hopkins anything ogilvy's put out a lot of those you know i think there are there's really great i mean there's great podcasts out there too i initially learned a lot from petrol traffic Art of Paid Traffic, a bunch of different ones that I've, I've since kind of uh, fallen away from a little bit. But um, Ezra Firestone is another one, took his courses back in the day. But I think the, the fundamentals don't change too much. So if you can really, you know, that's what I think Claude and Ogilvy and influenced by Robert Cialdini, like those books talk about human behavior and, and buying, like why someone would buy your product. And so I think going back to those helps give me some sanity. But then on the other end of that spectrum, I think Twitter's an amazing tool. If you can stay out of the, the rabbit holes and don't let it suck your whole day in. I think Twitter, LinkedIn, these places where there are people who are hands-on in these platforms spending every day, there are some insights that you can always glean from there of, of potentially new tools or new strategies that are working. Um, I think just, again, finding that balance between between those two things is, has been a ch- the, the challenge, but if you can do it, you can really, I think, stay on top of, of what's happening and, and it's kind of the, the balance that I try to find these days. Yeah. One of my favorite people on Twitter, um, Matthew Kobach, he, he, he said that like, there's not enough like information out there and like social platforms haven't been around enough for it like, to be like that breakout book. Cause it changes a lot. But if you look at the books that have tested through time, like you're saying Ogilvy and stuff like that, there's a reason that they're still around and people are still reading them. Like, it's in some of the best marketers I know are not market. Like they don't like a lot of the business owners I work with, they'll just say things to me in conversations 
that is the best copy or they like if if they understand they've they've built this business for i think that what a lot of us don't respect of like eight to 10 to 15 years, they've been building it pre a lot of this stuff or like early blog days all the way to now. They understand their customers so well that they are the best marketers for it. And I think I sometimes just look at myself as like a shepherd to be like, let's take all the things that you know about your audience and I can help you get them in front of more people that are similar to that, to that audience and help you grow it. And so, yeah, I think, I, I think it's a great point. And again, it's things don't change much but i think in specifically in the ad world the platforms do change very significantly so again trying to trying to balance staying up on the tactics of what i actually need to know to to operate in these platforms correctly and and then obviously long-term knowledge is is always the challenge yeah that's why i say and like i've grown like a little audience on linkedin and i always say to people it's like like they're like why aren't you going on other platforms and stuff like that and i always say like this I'm still like learning the platform and learning what like the fundamentals of like writing good copy is still there, but like the platform changes so much that like tomorrow, like they have an algorithm shift and like you have to shift around like your content and stuff. And then if you start scaling that to other platforms, you're going to have to do that two X, three X for each platform that you go yeah. on. To. Well, dude, that's, that's one. It's been really cool to watch you grow your audience on LinkedIn. So kudos to you, man. It's been, it's been really, really fun to watch. And I think you're putting out some amazing stuff on there. I think, uh, who was I listening to the other day, this exact topic came up and they said, I think we've all heard a lot of like, you need to be everywhere. And they said the exact opposite, which was no, you need to grow your audience on what you need to, you have a limited resource of time and energy. You need to, especially if you're a one person team yourself, you need to focus on growing that audience in one place and then you can pull it into these other areas, which, I mean, I think you, this is a perfect example, right? Like you're doing that right now with, you have a great LinkedIn audience and you can move a lot of them to podcasting. And yeah, it's, I think it's, it's fun, man. And it's ever changing and, and there's always more to learn, which is, I think, so, so interesting about the space. Well, the key point there is I think that like, it's better to be like, an A minus the A on a platform than C on every other platform because yeah. the C's like it's hard to get up all the C's. Like when you have like an A, when you get an A, like, oh, I've mastered like how we mastered LinkedIn. Like, okay, we've mastered LinkedIn. Now we can go discover another platform. But until you master that platform, it's hard to like make a investment in another platform when you're trying to grow something else over here. Right. So especially when you're a smaller team. Not to mention just your sanity too. So. Yeah. A couple more questions before we wrap it up is I what is what do you think a lot of paid advertisers are doing wrong? Yeah. I think a lot of the things that we've been kind of mentioning, I don't have a lot of paid advertisers, but a lot of businesses that I see first getting into paid advertising not thinking foundation first, right? Not having those systems in place, you know, thinking paid can fix a bad business model or can sell a bad product. I've seen that play out too many times. And, and it, it, if your product or your solution isn't serving its customers before paid, that's paid is only going to expose that, going to only expose that faster. And then I think the other one is just really understanding the value, the, the very specific value that you're, or, or really understanding the reason why people are buying your product or service. We sent out 
surveys at the end of every year for, for all of our clients. We sent one out a couple of weeks ago for a client. And it was, it's so interesting because I think I love to think I understand all of these audiences extremely well. And every time that survey comes back, it always, um, it always surprises me. So I think really just diving into the nuance and, and understanding why your customers are your customers so that you can then write and produce copy and creative around that is, is something that I see. I don't think necessarily a lot of people are doing it wrong. I just think we, we don't do it enough. Um, and we feel like we are a lot of times. And, you know, I think speaking for myself, um, whenever I do it, I'm always pleasantly surprised of, of new things that I learn. I think you alluded to one thing already, but what are some like predictions in the, the paid space that you think are going to be in 2021? 20, like what are the, some big changes you're going to see or like, shifts that you think people are going to make yeah i definitely alluded to i think it's going to get more expensive like to say it's the the trend is showing that uh costs are going up i think a lot of big players are going to continue to invest in digital more that that's a trend that's been happening i i think the successful one aspect of a lot of successful businesses in 2021 and moving forward with paid is using it to build on media lists or to introduce people to, to a brand that's naturally magnetic, right? So selling product on Facebook and Instagram and, and these platforms are always going to happen. I think one thing we're seeing with B2C is any of our clients that are amazing at email marketing are amazing at nurturing people once they kind of fall into our, our ecosystem. We're running, it's so funny because it's like an old school B2B tactic, but we're running essentially what you'd call lead gen form or lead lead form ads on Facebook for product businesses, B2C product businesses. So, you know, that's something where we're making the barrier to entry and the introduction ask much lower where traditionally it's like buy our product or fall into our remarketing buckets so we can hit you on all these other channels and, and try to make you a customer. We're making those asks smaller and smaller. And then I think getting more and more efficient on the back end uh, just to compete with these rising costs. So those are a few things. I think the only other prediction I have, which again, I, I'm not one to make like super big predictions, but things that I'm interested in and watching closely is simplifying audio buys. Uh, we've done some podcast advertising. There's some cool platforms that I'm seeing that are trying to make access to like radio and podcast buying for ads easier. Um, I'm hoping that can be a trend uh, moving forward. And then, and then just continued algorithms are just going to keep getting better. I think um, we haven't dove too far into it, but it's pretty remarkable on Facebook these days from just five years ago to now, um, being able to, if you have enough pixel data, literally just turn on an audience to all of the United States and, and let Facebook go find your buyers. I think these algorithms are, are becoming more and more impressive every year. And I just would expect that to, to continue going forward. One last thing is because on this future thing, like what are your thoughts of like the data privacy side of like, like platforms are like becoming more restrictive in data and marketers having to be actually having to do better creative and better stuff like that. Cause audience like artists and targeting might go down because totally. of and not even just, not even just needing to be better at creative and, and no, like finding those audiences. But I think also it's going to force, it's definitely forced me even in the last six to eight months to become more of a technical marketer. You know, we have a paid media agency, but understanding understanding the nuance of tracking and server-side tracking and a lot of these things that are are coming down the line and, and I think are going to continue to be a part of the discussion 
I know Facebook and these major companies are going to fight back pretty hard and continue to offer solutions to, to paid media buyers, to small businesses buying advertising on their platforms. But I think it, it is, it's forcing, I think, you know, me in particular, it's forcing paid media buyers to stay on top of these changes more um, because when they implement something like server-side tracking and, you know, you're not ahead of it or you're not ready for it, it can, it can really negatively impact your, your performance. So, yeah, you know, I think it's like all of these trends, it's competition's great. I think the, the word's been out for a while, but it just continues to, these platforms continue to draw bigger and bigger players and more advertisers and more money and the competition is going up, which just forces everybody to be, to be better at, at a lot of these other things, like you mentioned, which is when you have the opportunity to communicate your message to somebody, you do it really effectively with great creative and copy. Um, and you have those backend systems in place that are ready to, to capture that, that intent. Awesome. That, that's some good insight. And I think I want to just leave the last like minute or so for you to, for people to find August, where could they find August? What are, um, where could they find this cool new product to increase their revenue? You can find me hanging out with, Murray. Uh, uh, no Twitter, Twitter, August Noble, LinkedIn, August Noble. And then if you're a Shopify plus user, AOV boost, AOVboost.com is it adds an order form bump to your checkout, which is why it's for Shopify plus stores. But if you're interested in that at all, feel free to shoot me an email at August at AOVboost.com. And I appreciate you, man. This is fun. This is fun. Thank you. Do it again. Thank you.